Hello and welcome to the Mix Era Podcast. I'm your host, DJ B. Wise. Today's co-host will be Malcolm Kevin Terrell. Today's topic will be Top 10 All-Time Greatest Hip-Hop Albums. On this podcast, we talk about hip-hop from boom bap to trap. This is a conversation amongst hip-hop enthusiasts. All right, so let's get into it. So Malcolm, tell me, what was your criteria in choosing your Top 10 All-Time Greatest hip-hop album so for me it had to be a it had to be some of the best work that the artist put out and it kind of is opinionated because partially some are my favorites and when you look online and stuff like that you can see some of these albums pop up as some of the greatest albums as well cool so uh give me your top 10 so i'm gonna start off with me against the world then i'm gonna go to give richard die trying with with 50 okay Bring It Back to the Young Guys with 2014's Forest Hill Drive by J. Cole. Put on their Take Care, which I believe is Drake's best album. Kanye with Graduation. Then I wanted to go with The Infamous. And then I had to put The Chronic on there. And then um, I wanted to bring another young guy in there that might rival J. Cole right now, which is Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. And then I picked, this was a hard one for me, but I picked Illmatic. I had to put Nas on there because he's just an artist I can listen to and really vibe to. Then I wanted to put, I, it was a toss up between Reasonable Doubt and The Blueprint. So it went down to what I liked the best and I went with The Blueprint. And then lastly, I went with the new up and coming guy, Astro World, Travis Scott. I had to put him on, on there. So that concludes my list. All right, that sounds cool, man. Uh, Terrell, what do you think about that list? I love it. Like a lot of a lot of people that he have is what I have on mine as well. So we got interesting taste. All right, moving on to Kev. What is you? What's your uh, uh, opinions of what um, his list was? I think they're all great albums. You know, I, I I do have different takes on things. Like I wouldn't have picked that Kendrick Lamar album. Um, I probably would have went with his first one, which I think was a more creative message or story but you know you know the butterfly was it was decent but it wasn't better than good kid mad city to me my reason for the the pimple butterfly was because it was it was when i looked it up when i researched they did have it as one of his best albums i didn't want to be too opinionated with my list i mean you know i mean your list is your list um you know if if someone agrees or disagree it's not it's not up to them it's up to it's up to you what exactly exactly right right i mean you know I mean, you know, people you, people going to disagree with my list, but <laughs> it mm-hmm. is what it is. As long as you can is. argue it. Huh? As long as you can argue it. Right, right. I mean, like I said, I mean, like I, said it's, I don't think there's nothing wrong with The Pimp a Butterfly, but I just, I like the story from Good Kid, Mad City better. I think it was just, I think that's, to me, that was one of the most creative hip-hop albums ever made. It's not on my list, but I think he was, I think he was in a better, a better zone than he was with, the, with that one, though, to me. Okay, okay. Understandable. All right, well, moving on to myself, I'm going to be uh, doing the next list. And uh, my criteria for my list was songs that moved me, songs that I played over and over and over, and I could listen to them without any skips or a minimal amount of skips as possible. Uh, These were also uh, part of my criteria was songs that were pivotal in hip-hop. So songs that changed the landscape or songs that were so uh, uh, impactful that they're legendary amongst uh, you know, hip-hop enthusiasts. So 
uh, I had a really tough time trying to narrow my list down. So I'm going to be giving quite a few honorable mentions uh, and I'll be giving some explanations with my honorable mentions. All right. So let me start with Heavy D big time. Growing up, Heavy D was always a positive dude and always came with some real lyrics. But the big time album was an era for hip hop when dance was very important. Not that breakdancing hasn't always been a part of hip hop, but the uh, the whole New Jack Swing movement was in and the big time album really gave you that uh, that feel. My next honorable mention is the DOC. No one can do it better. The DOC only put out a limited number of uh, albums based on his uh, car accident or he uh, lost the use of his voice for a long period of time. But that particular album uh, for West Coast rap, He's actually from the South. He's from uh, Dallas, Texas. But he was able to put together an album that I never skipped one song on. So that's my other uh, honorable mention. Then I moved on to uh, Slick Rick, Children's Story. As far as uh, hip-hop storytellers, Slick Rick is probably the best. And this album was just uh, a a masterpiece as far as uh, storytelling. My next uh, honorable mention is Ice Cube's America's Most Wanted. I picked this album because, again, it was a departure from what he had done with N.W.A. He was able to lay down tracks on top of, you know, some hardcore rap on top of uh, New York beats. You know, the Bomb Squad did his uh, uh, production for that album, which I thought was super, super talented in order to get that to uh, to work out. Uh, my next honorable mention is uh, Public Enemy. It takes a nation of millions to stop us. So. That one was huge, you know, for political uh, rap commentary. Chuck D and uh, Flavor Flav did just excellent stuff on there. And also um, the interludes on there with Professor Griff was really crazy. So uh, that was a very pivotal album for me. Then I got to bring in an old school group that should have made a top 10, but didn't. And that's Run DMC. And that's their first album, Run DMC. It was uh, it was everything. I mean, it took rap from hip to the hippity hip hip hop to really uh, flowing, you know, between two artists, you know, two real artists going back and forth on the mic. I think super important. A lot of people aren't going to keep it on there just because we don't push forward the pioneers of rap. So that was important for me to make sure that that was heard. And then lastly, even though he's a young cat, I still had to leave him off. And that was Drake. And that was Thank Me Later was the one I thought should have been on the list, but I, I didn't. Take Care was also was a hard a hard choice between the two. But after me going over listening to the albums uh, in the last week, I was like, yeah, Thank Me Later was a solid, solid album, even though Take Care was a solid project as well. So those are my honorable mentions. Now I'm going to move on to uh, my top 10, and that's going to start out with DMX, It's Dark and Hell is Hot. Uh, number nine, Boogie Down Productions, Criminal Minded. Number uh, number eight, LL Cool J's Bad. Number seven, Biggie, Ready to Die. Number six, Tupac, Me Against the World. Number five, Jay-Z, The Blueprint. Number four, Wu-Tang, The 36 Chambers. Number three, Nas, Illmatic. Number two, A Tribe Called Quest, People in Extinctive Travels, Beats and Rhymes. And number one, just because this album is just... It, it, to this day, you're going to hear it at any family reunion, any class reunion, any birthday parties. You're going to hear at least one song off this album, Eric B. and Rakim's Paid in Full. So that's my uh, 
list. So, uh, Terrell, what do you think about that list? I like it. It's very, like you explain all your criteria and also you explain, and it comes to hand when you explain to it. Now I understand why you have your list and how it was kind of hard to narrow it down. Like it was spirit. Like, I feel like I just had a, spirit, a spiritual trip just hearing your list. Okay. Okay. I think that was a pretty good list. Uh, it seems like you took a lot of thought time into it as you explained. And, uh, I respect it. Sounds good. Sounds good. What do you think, Kev? Okay. Um, I do like in your honorable mentions of the uh, DLC. That's just a that's a rapper that you know a lot of people did forget. And like you said, his accident it hurt his career in the forefront. But you know that resulted in him doing more behind the scenes. You know, I really don't have a problem with the list at all. It's very it's you know it's a lot of pre two thousand stuff, but you know that's what you prefer. So okay, okay. Well, uh, with that said, let's go to your criteria for your list, uh, Kev. My criteria is what I consider a classic, and I would define a classic as something that you can listen to today or ten years from now, and it still feels fresh and new. It's you know. It, the less skips as possible is probably the closest thing to a classic for me. I kind of, I guess I based my classic on what the nineties, what it was in the nineties, as opposed to what was in the eighties, which was two different things. So it was hard getting down to 10. I, I will mention two, three albums. I'll mention three that are not on my 10. AZ's Do or Die, his first album. A lot of people, I think, forgot about that. Him being a friend of Nas. I think that was a knock against him also because he wasn't able to really get his own shine. Jay-Z's Blueprint, that was another hard album not to put on the 10. I think it was it was an impactful, monumental album because it was really his first time kind of addressing his haters. It was something that he avoided before, but he took the time, you know, it took for Nas to say something to him in order for him to, you know, release this music directed at this guy, this other guy who was his counterpart, you know, the only other person who was just as big as he is. And the third album that didn't make my list, which was hard, was The Ghetto Boys Resurrection. It was just so hard because at that time it was it was the Willie D coming back to the Ghetto Boys after Big Mike. And it was it, it had it had the gangster, it had the consciousness. Uh, it dealt with a little of mental issues. It was just, it was so complete. And it was just, you know, it was just, everything was just like hard hitting beats. And it was so hard to put on there on my list, but it almost made it. So if I had to go with my 10, I'm going to start with Tribe Called Quest and the Midnight Marauders album. At the time, the Midnight Marauders front and back covers had become this iconic moment in hip hop because it was like all these different rappers were on the front and back cover and everyone, you know, was trying to figure out who was who. And I mean, you need to open the CD up and it was like, you were still trying to, you, you know, you wanted to know what was going on and you haven't even heard a beat, a single beat. And that, that was impactful to me. Then, I mean, then the album is just banging, you know, from start to finish. I can't think of one song I don't like on there. And then my next, so my next is I'm gonna give you a three run set. It's it's Wu Tang into the Thirty Six Chambers, Raekwon's Built for Cuban Links, and then the third is Old Dirty uh, Return to the Thirty Six Chambers. A lot of people talk about Cuban Links because it's it's become a part of hip hop culture. Um, it has its own nickname, which people call the Purple Tape, and you can even see now where is you have designers who. Uh, 
who hooked up with Raekwon, and they got shoes based off that album. They got clothing based off that album. And this album came out more than 10 years ago, and we're still talking about it, and we're still putting pieces together because of the album. I mean, you know, the Wu-Tang album is just this classic. It's just a classic album. It's really, we haven't had an album where you had this many MCs all together at one time. You know, clans or groups or whatever, you know, they did songs or they did features, but it wasn't, you never really saw this many, you know, more than four or five really do something as a whole project together. And then, um, you know, Old Dirty, his his debut album, I think it was a forgetting, forgotten album in hip hop. Man. I don't think a lot of people even really embraced it today as they should have. It's just, you know, it was just, you know, I listened to it again and and it was just like, dang, it's like I didn't skip nothing. I mean, it played from beginning to end. When it, when it got to the end, I, I went back to the front and, and played it again. That's how good it was to me. So I picked uh, Ice Cube's. America's Most Wanted, um, like you said earlier, your, how you felt about it, I felt the same. Uh, uh, West Coast, this West Coast gangster rapper who kind of went conscious with these beats from uh, the Public Enemy production squad, and it all kind of blended together and, and and just created this this great album that I, I can still listen to right now. I still listen to it right now, at least once a week. I also picked Tupac, All Eyes On Me. For me, that's Tupac's best album. I know it was... I know, I know a lot of people look at it as having all these diss tracks or all these angry songs, but if you kind of get towards the end of that second diss, you kind of see what the music that the, uh, that Tupac really was. You know, like the positivity, you know, don't be out here in the streets and don't do this and don't do that. That's the stuff, you know, people know Tupac for, but they forget that that's who Pac really was. I got Common, the B album, I, which I believe is Common's best body of work. I believe that this is the best production that Kanye West ever had on anything was on Common's B album. I'll put it up against anything. I got Jay-Z's Black Album. I picked the Black Album with Blueprint because the Black Album was Jay-Z's first retirement. And um, it was things on that album where he um, that he touched on that kind of showed his growth as an artist. And then my last two albums are from the same group. One of my favorite duos of all time was Little Brother. So I put their first two albums, The Listening and The Mr. Show, on my list. Both albums are just, you know, The Mr. Show is a, is a great album of storytelling. It was, you know, from the skits, the intro, the, char the characters and everything. And The Listening is just a straight hip-hop album to me. I mean, just from beginning to end, it's just these hard banging beats i mean the bass lines it was knife wonder was kind of like this new age pete rock to me for that album so yeah that's my list all right sounds good let's go to malcolm hey malcolm what do you think about that all i can say is true hip-hop head i tell you i mean i respect it i heard a few of his um his honorable missions and i i don't have anything to disagree with i feel like we need to sit in the car and listen to it definitely Terrell, what do you think? I just feel like I was just in a history class hearing his hearing his list and he gave a lot of knowledge and a lot of like a lot of history lesson on his on the albums and I'm just like it makes me more I have to look do more research on all these music and stuff than based on the music that I listen to now. So well, that's like what this it. is all about, you know, and uh, that was why this platform was created so that we could have these conversations because I'm learning something as uh, the, you know, the pioneer era 
I'm pretty sure Kev is learning something from the golden era. And uh, Terrell just said he's learning something, and he's from that 2000s era. And uh, Malcolm is learning from the, you know, he's the 2010 to 2020s era. So this is what this is all about. Uh, I'm going to bring up a few things with his list. Uh, the AZ, loved the dude. Crazy, you know. But I don't know if I would, uh, you know, I would argue that I put the Firm's album over anything he put together. Any of his albums. That's just my opinion. The Firm with Jay-Z, AZ, and Foxy Brown was a better put together album than anything I've heard of of AZ and 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 I've heard all of his stuff and I appreciate what he does he's definitely underrated based on the fact that he was the sidekick to Jay-Z but he really wasn't he was his own man if you listen to the way he put down his stuff he was definitely his own man but I I, I see your point but I think that's an unfair comparison and I'm gonna tell you why the firm album it had the Dr. Dre's touch on it yeah whereas huh i said yeah but az's first album i mean you know he had a nas feature he had like a beat or two from pete rock it didn't have that dr dre's touch when you know it's not too many projects where dr dre didn't make a good music we can honestly say that yeah but at that time on um az's first album not only did he have pete rock on there he had large professor on there you know, he, the, the large professor and Pete Rock and uh, DJ Premier at that period in time were just as high up on the list of uh, producers as the as um, um as Dr. Dre was. Dr. Dre was definitely well known, but he wasn't like heads above everybody else at that point. It took him a little longer to get to that point. You're right. You're right, and I and and, and I agree with that. But I, I don't know. It's like I can't take away. I, I don't. I, I think I'm one of these, I'm one of these people that I kind of look at um, what was going on at that time sometimes to make a person. So was the firm album great? Yes, but did it have that Dr. J, Dr. Dre's magic? That's what made it better, as opposed to Az's first album where he didn't have a whole bunch of production from big name producers. He had a few here and there. Yes. So I mean, and so it was. So you had to focus more on his lyrics than you know these banging beats with the lyrics. But I, I but I'm, but I see your point though. But I see your point. I mean, and I'm, I'm not. I can't say the firm album wasn't better, but I prefer his solo because it it was a guy. I felt like he was an underdog trying to make his own way as opposed to a guy that was you know fighting for second. Because that firm album, it was Nas one, and it was you know nature. Foxy and AZ was competing for who was the second best. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, see, I'm going to put it to you the way you've put it in the past is the Firm album pushed AZ to be even better than he was on his solo stuff. And as a matter of fact, I think everything he did after the Firm album was better than what he did before the Firm album. That's Again, that's just my opinion, but I remember you have saying that on a couple of occasions, you said that when you do compilations like that, you get the best out of the person. And I'm saying AZ right. on that album right. was excellent. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, then my next thing uh, I'm going to do is, uh, so Raekwon, you know, everybody will always argue most of Wu-Tang Clan's effort. And definitely Raekwon, but also, you know, Liquid Swords gets a lot of love from that. That that first you know those first solo albums you know yeah it it, it was hard it was it was it was a hard choice but I picked that album because I felt like Raekwon was 
he de- he he developed this style that was reminiscent of Kuji rap yeah. before, and and it was like the way Kuji rap told these stories. It didn't matter if it was real, if it was fake, or what. It was almost like watching a movie, and. So you, you take this you take this great storytelling and then you take these and I mean even RZA's beats at that time were kind of a little the mold was a little different as opposed to he went from these kung fu flicks in the Wu Tang album to kind of going to these these kind of these mob movies a little bit in the Raekwon's album yeah and it was like a little it was a different pace you could say but it was but the beats were it was just something about these beats he was making for the album. The, the, the Liquid Swords album is is a very complex album that a lot of people can't really grasp. It's had quite a resurgence. I'm telling you, I just the research I did last week, I was surprised to see that of the of the um, Wu Tang Clan, whose albums were considered the tops, and Jizza and Raekwon switch out a lot, and um, you don't, I, I well, didn't expect well, that. that. Has- he does these um, scientific tours. The, the Jizza right now is he's doing a lot of stuff outside of rap right now. He, you know, you can see him on Animal Planet, or you can see him on some scientific or mathematical show or movie or something. And that has kind of brought this 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 awareness to his first to his to all his music. So I'm not really surprised that that's that's what's going on. Okay. Yeah. All right, and lastly, I wanted to debate a little bit about the Black Album. In the ether, you're going to mostly hear Reasonable Doubt, or you're going to hear The Blueprint. I find it super interesting that you did choose the Black Album. I think Black Album deserves that uh, commendation from someone that's an enthusiast like yourself. So I'm going to well, commend it. I'll say why I picked the Black Album. Um, like I said, I, I, it was it was supposed to be Jay-Z's retirement album, and he did what you're supposed to do for your supposed last album. Give it your all. If if I did have a argument against the Black Album, originally the Black Album was supposed to be 13 songs by 13 different producers, and he didn't do that. And That's I was right. not, and I was actually I was like, dang, that kind of it almost hurt the album. But at the same time, he has a he has production from DJ Quick, which was out of the scope of what anyone actually would even conceive of deep, you know, Jay-Z and Quick doing something together. Yeah. Lucifer to me is one of is one of his five best songs ever. Okay. Like the it, I mean the beat and his flow, it was just I don't know. It was just so it was so hard, but you don't really look at Jay-Z as this hard rapper, but it was just so just banging. And I mean, you know, it, it I mean yeah, Black Album had it had ninety nine problems on there. Um, it had encore, it had a lot of, you know some radio hits, but the other side, the other stuff was just I felt like this, that's what I needed. I needed I needed this non radio stuff. I needed him to show that he was he could, could do as close to a complete album as possible. So he can give us the street, he can give us the radio, he can give us stuff you play in your car, stuff you play in your house, stuff you can play at a party, you know. And that's what I think he 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 did with that album. Okay. I mean, I mean, only, like I said, the the hardest hardest part of my list was I didn't add MF Doom, and and I feel like his two of his best albums were two albums that I would have wanted, but I had to, you know, it, like I said, it was just shortening this list down was hard. So yeah, I get you. So um, we're gonna move on to Terrell. So Terrell, tell me what your uh, criteria for making your list was. My criteria for my list is also something that I can listen to every day, 
no skip, no song. As well, an album that will get me turned up even when I'm on my saddest days. I could turn up and be happy again. And also by the last meeting, how it impact as my generation, how it impact to make us how we are today. So with right. that being said, my elementary, I have Graduation by Kanye, Doggy Styles by Snoop Dogg, The Score by the Fugees. This one right here, I was going to put on my top 10, but I couldn't. It was iffy. And that speaker, the speaker box, Love Below by Outkast. And my last elementary, Death Certificate by Ice Cube. So that's my elementary. Okay. Now. My top 10. I know I'm going to have some feedback with this. I'm going from, from 10 to first. This one, I'm going to say Ur by Tyler Creator. Okay. Views by Drake. America Most Wanted by Ice Cube. All Eyes on Me by Tupac. Two Pimp and Butterfly by Kendrick. Coming down to my top five now. You got The Blueprint by Jay-Z. Another one top on Watch the Throne with Jay-Z and Kanye. Then three, I got Ready to Die by Biggie. Um, number two, I got Into the Wu-Tang. And my number one, The Chronic by Dre. And that's my top ten albums. All right, sounds good. So, uh, Malcolm, what do you think about that top ten? I mean, he had a few of my, uh, we shared a few albums on there, so I can only agree with what he said. Um, I like some of the honorable mentions. I heard a few on there. I'm, I'm not sure if Eagle was on there, but if it was, I respect that one as well. It's kind of different. So. Got you. All right. So, uh, and, and you had no problems with the Watch Throne album? Not really. Not really. All right. Well, I'm going to have a problem with Watch the Throne album. What's up with that? Watch the Throne and Blueprint? You're yeah. going to put them two together? Yeah. I agree with it because he, I mean, from his origins, where he's where he's from. I feel you. I feel you. I just, I think that, uh, this is just my opinion. I think that the Watch the Throne album uh, was highly commercialized. It, it was, but it's the way of the art of two best friends that we all know made that album. And yes, it was going to be commercialized. Yes, we, we know that was going to happen. But to see that beauty of art that they made together, like around the summertime when that album came out, that's all you heard yeah. everywhere from the clubs to in the streets. You just heard that album radio wise, heard that album and we couldn't get enough because we got that fantasy two men to make a beautiful album like that. And it just sparked a wave. Got you. Got you. And I feel like with them two making that album together, I feel like it made them even more bigger to the point that we want more. And like I said, we were supposed to get Watch the Dome too, but certain stuff happened. But I hope in the future they somewhat put their difference aside and we do get that next word. All right. So uh, my last one for my uh, my debate would be uh, I'd like to commend you on the bold choice of picking Tyler, the creator, and the Ur album. I thought the Ur album was brilliant piece of work that was too complex for the average person especially in my age group, but uh, it did end up being quite uh, an adventure. You know, I had to listen to it probably like five or six times before I could grasp all of the complexities that he was trying to do. I initially thought he was doing, uh, he was trolling. I just thought that his whole stick was, I'm a troll, I'm a troll, use people, and 
and I'm going to troll on top with some, some beat. But after listening to it for a few more times, I figured out that he was a kid who grew up in a different world and that he was putting out uh, music that was for him and the people in his world, not people for other people's worlds. And uh, that really is what changed me over to uh, giving this young man a little bit more credit than he uh, initially was getting from my generation. So I definitely want to commend you on that. And with that, we're going to move on to the, the, the biggest debater on the squad. Kev, what do you think about that? I am shocked about the Ice Cube uh, death certificate one. I like it. You know, I, I did I did like it. I don't know. I don't know if I can say I listened to every song on there. Um, it had a few skippable tracks on there, but for the most part, uh, it was very solid. It was Ice Cube in this. He, Ice Cube had one of the best opening runs of a solo artist ever. You know, America's Most Wanted, Kill It Will, Death Certificate, and I can't think of the, the album after that, but they were just like, you know, all potential classics. And I'm surprised he added that. It was more of a shock of him adding that, you know, than me disagreeing. I, I totally agree with it. Speaker Box Love Below, I think is, uh, I also agree with that. It did, it had a few skippable songs. It's not, it's, it's a classic, but it's not like this five-star classic to me. Um, The Watch the Throne, I, I agree with you. I, I, I I don't like it that much. It didn't have that many hits on there to me. I mean, I might listen to half of the album, and that's a stretch. You know, I just I didn't see the appeal of it. Those two work better when one when Jay Z is rapping over Kanye's beats and that guest appearance here and there, as opposed to a whole album together. But you know, enough people liked it. I just you know I I don't I don't see the appeal of the whole album anyway. The Tyler the Tyler I do agree with. Like you said, it was uh, something for today's youth and understanding their message. But I, I, I think that for us older guys, it's kind of like sometimes we got to get this parent mold out of our mind state and look at it from an open mind as a as music fans. And it's hard. You know, I was listening to uh, Juice World's last album the other day, and and I had that, and that's what happened to me. Cause I mean, I tried to get through the first two, three songs, and I cut it off. So I was like, I don't, I, I don't understand. But then when I kind of said, okay, let me get out this dad mode, and I listened to it, and I was like, oh, okay, I understood. And I was able to, you know, go from beginning to end. And and, and it's kind of like the same with Tyler. It's just kind of like, I got to get out this dad mode when I listen to his stuff because I'm going to be like, I don't understand where he's coming from, why he feels that way, what's really going on, what are you doing, and all that stuff. But Tyler makes good music. Um, I think it's just, you know, for for me as an older guy, I got to be in the right setting to order to accept it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and... I think I think it's hit or miss on you know a Drake album. I really don't think you can go wrong with a, any Drake album you pick. The views was okay. It wasn't you know it was just okay to me. But I don't really you know I'm not gonna say he shouldn't have picked it or I disagree with it. It's just you know it's hard. It's, I mean Drake is Drake might be Drake is like Jay Z. It's hard to pick. You can't go wrong with any album you pick of theirs. Yeah. What about that honorable mention of Snoop Dogg? I I, I it it all came together when he got to number one for me. Uh, but initially, when he was like honorable mention, uh, doggy style, I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting." But then when he brought it home with, you know, the pimple butterfly, and then chronic at number one, I was like, "Oh, I'm feeling it now. I really see where he's coming from." So the totality for me. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, doggy style was just a um, doggy style was a different album. Even though we were used to the West Coast artists, and we were familiar with the uh the dr dre's production at that time but it still was it still was a totally different album 
it was it was the way Snoop was coming across. It was the features he had on his album, and it was just this. It was just the whole vibe of it. So for it to still the transition to you know someone in their twenties, um, something that came out what in the early nineties. Yeah, you know something came out before he was born. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's a testament to, you know, it's a testament to the whole, just the whole project as a whole. I mean, outside of us still seeing Snoop Dogg on TV and different little things nowadays. I mean, you know, he he didn't, you know, Snoop did gospel. He did reggae. He, he, he did a go-go song. He's done so many different things over the years. But, you know, outside of, you know, we, we're always going to go back to Doggy Style. You know, that's going to be his signature, his signature sound his signature album for probably, you know, the rest of his life. So, you know, that that was good to see that something from that time period can still transition to today's time. Okay. And lastly, what is everybody's opinion of the East Coast Brooklyn brother having all that West Coast in his lineup? <laughs> Who's that? Terrell. Terrell, you know, Terrell's Brooklyn down, and he got more than – I went through everybody else's list. And he had more West Coast uh, albums than anybody. Preference, he likes the West Coast like a lot of people on the East Coast, you know. I mean, I mean but it, but it's a different vibe though. It's a totally it's a it's a different vibe to it though. You know, the East, a lot of the East Coast guys were you know focused on these these hard beats, these hard rhymes, and it was like, I'm I'm better than you, or no one's better than me, as opposed to the West Coast where they were very laid back. Um, let's have fun. Let's do this. Let's do that. The beats kind of the beats match the flow of the lyrics. You know what I mean? Right. And and that's that's like a you know it like yeah like he said it depends on what you like but it's just like you know you got happier music as opposed to this music. You know everyone has this opinion of New York as these guys you know people in New York are not nice. And, <laughs> that's true. And you and you listen to New York and you listen to New York music and it's kind of like okay that's the style of what I think New York people are and that could either you're gonna embrace it or you're gonna be like uh, let me think about it. So you know when you when you, when you listen to music you want you want the fun you want the upbeat stuff because you want to feel good. So that's what the West gives you. So you know if, if if that's what makes him feel good and he's what he can relate to, yeah, you know you really can't have a problem with that. Right. Cause I feel like with the West Coast, like every time you hear a West Coast song, it was genuinely like a turn up song or genuinely like you could just relax, chill, listen to this beat. Like the beats, West Coast beats was different <clears throat> when I was growing up than East Coast beats. Like once you hear the instrumental of the West Coast beats, beat, it's like, okay, I could chill. I could relax. And then their words are flowing. It was just like, oh, yeah. This got me. It got a hold of me. So that's why I had I did have a lot of West Coast albums on my list. And like I said, I still listen to it this day. Like it depends on what my mood is. Like if I know I have a long day at work, I gotta listen to this. I have to. To get that mood back in. Towards like like I grew up listening to a lot of West Coast West Coast, then East Coast. I feel like mm, there was a little skeptical beat with east coast some of the fact that they didn't really have that many heavy hitters as what i was listening to towards i'm here in west coast so that that's what one one me and like my first album that i listened to was doggy style and i listened to that i sneaked and listened to that album because i remember my mom told me don't be listening to snoop Dogg all that stuff and i sneaked and listened to that album and once i once i heard gin and juice i was like and then i used to and I used to sing it in the house, and my mom used to get mad at me. She's like, what you doing singing that song? And I'm like, oh, man, 
kind of told on myself. So Got you, got you. All right, well, with that being said, uh, we're going to end this episode, and I uh, appreciate everybody's opinions. We also like to send an uh, invitation to our guest to uh, email us at underagroovenetwork at gmail.com with any questions. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram with any questions, and uh, we look forward to, in the future, having a live uh, podcast with uh, guest um, opinions and a guest questions. All right, and with that being said, see you next time. Peace.